This is Coochie's Corner Podcast, hosted by Bobby Bailey. Check us out on social media, Facebook at The Crew Chief, on Twitter at The Crew Chief, Instagram at Crew Chief's Corner, and on TikTok at Crew Chief's Corner. And now on the Anchor Podcasting Network at anchor.fm and the Anchor app. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Byer here with the Crew Chiefs Corner Podcast, coming to you with another episode here. Um, this week on the podcast, we're going to talk a lot about um, last week's races. So we'll talk about the races out of Texas. We'll talk about the All-Star Race that happened on Sunday. We'll talk about the Xfinity Series and Truck Series races, which were a doubleheader on Saturday. So we'll talk about that. We'll get you set up for... The races at Nashville Super Speedway. Uh, I know probably by the time this hits the podcasting platforms, we may or may not have the truck race underway and or done. Um, but we'll at least preview it. I'll talk a little bit about Nashville Super Speedway. Kind of set the tone for you guys for this weekend's races. We'll also, um, I'm kind of glad I kind of waited as late as I did to do this episode. Because we have a lot of news to to get through and some stuff to cut through. And um, I think I have a really good discussion about it, at least um, the stuff that broke today and yesterday. Uh, so we'll talk about GMS going cup racing uh, full time in 2022, maybe what some of that might look like. And then the big news of today, two big stories. First, Alex Bowman has re-signed his contract um, with uh, Hendrick Motorsports that will last through the 2023 season. And um, that coincides with Ally's uh, extension that they signed um, before Jimmy retired. I think the season before he retired, they signed an extension all the way through 2023. So that'll put Bowman and Ally directly in line uh, with each other. And then um, the other news, the, the I don't want to say the bigger story, but one of the other pieces of the Silly Season puzzle was solved is who's colleague racing going to use for their full-time driver. Um, and I think, it, they kind of slipped and kind of hinted this out a couple weeks ago that they were going to have a full-time driver, but that also didn't mean that AJ Allmendinger wasn't going to drive cup races for him. So everybody was trying to figure out what they meant. Um, so they announced that they have two charters. They bought both of them from Spire Motorsports, which is going to drop down to a single car with uh, Corey uh, LaJoy as their driver um, with the next-gen car. I think we're going to see some of this down shit uh there's downsizing of some of the back marker teams um and i think that this is how some of the charters are going to get bounced around um i think rick uh, rick ware has probably already made it known that he's going to go down to probably one or two uh charters so there's a couple that are going to be had there um and we'll we'll talk about that and maybe some other things that are going to happen uh here in the coming weeks i, I think I think some of the answers are starting to get known. We have some things that we're pretty sure of. And I think there's going to be still some wild cards that we have nothing, nothing right now to talk about. But um, I think we'll, we'll find out some, some wild cards coming down the, the pike as well. Cause that's traditionally how silly season works. You get, you get some of the known commodities out of the way. And then all of a sudden some random dominoes fall that you didn't expect to fall and, and things happen a certain way. So We'll get into all that as well. So an action-packed episode of the Crew Chiefs Corner Podcast. We'll get it started after this quick break. This is the Crew Chiefs Corner Podcast, hosted by Bobby Bailey. For all your latest diecast needs, apparel, and much more, check out CircleBDiecast.com. The best part? All of our Crew Chiefs Corner podcast listeners use my promo code Crew Chiefs Corner. No apostrophe. It's all Crew Chiefs Corner. You'll save. You'll get free shipping on all U.S. orders over twenty dollars. Check out CircleBDiecast.com. Use my promo code Crew Chiefs Corner. You get free shipping on all U.S. orders over twenty dollars. All right, so. First, let's talk about the race that weekend that we just had. So let's talk about Texas. Um, obviously, this this first race weekend for the cup cars is the non-points-paying all-star race. But Xfinity and Trucks had a points-paying race uh, there. So 
when NASCAR uh, kind of realigned some of the, the, the stuff with the schedule, one of the things that happened, and it kind of happened because they wanted to run Coda, um, there's some kind of clause in the contract that Coda can't get a cup date as long as Texas Motor Speedway has two points paying races for the cup cars. So what they did was um, SMI went to NASCAR and asked them to realign the date to Coda. But it's it's technically still SMI's date because they're re- they're renting out Coda to run the race. So it's not a uh, it's not like officially owned by Bruton Smith, and it's not like they awarded it directly to the track. The SMI folks still own the date, and they just realigned it to Coda because they're renting out to run the race there. So that whole thing, how that all happened, was um, in order to keep two dates and two full weekends at Coda, I mean at Texas, while Coda got a cup race and Xfinity and, and trucks, they gave um, the all-star race to, uh, to Texas instead of Charlotte. Um, and you remember last year with COVID, they went to Bristol because Charlotte was already getting extra, an extra, uh, race anyhow, um, due to the COVID restrictions in, um, some parts of the country. So they sort of got a bonus race in there. So NASCAR wanted to kind of realign the all-star race because of that. So that was a thing. So we move into the truck series um, race, which honestly I didn't watch a lot of. Um, I know John Hunter Niemicek won. It was um, a, a, another big win for him. I mean, listen, he's had a spectacular season uh, already. You knew coming into this year he was going to be the truck to beat uh, just because I think with his experience from the truck series, being a former winner in the series, and driving Kyle Busch Motorsports equipment, you knew that that him and his uh, uh, him and his crew chief Eric Phillips, they, they were going to be a dynamic duo, and you knew that that was going to be um, a, a force to be reckoned with in the in the trucks. So, uh, sort of knew that was going to happen this year. They were going to kind of stink up the show as far as it comes to them and running uh, in the truck series. And, you know, they're just, like I said, they're proving that they're the truck to beat. You know, and and again, they seem like the odds-on favorite. And this is something that, you know, I, I think a lot of people are, are feeling this way about Hendrick right now. Is that like, oh my God, you know, Kyle Larson's going to run away with the championship. Kyle Larson's, you know, he's the odds-on favorite. Well, yeah, he's the odds-on favorite now. But what tends to happen in NASCAR, and, 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 and anybody that's been a fan long enough, you, you, you guys and gals out there that know the sport and, and watch it on a weekly basis, you guys know that there's ebbs and flows with this. There's ebbs and flows with this series. There's ebbs and flows with, with any form of motorsports. You know, you look at, you know, John Hunter Nemechek's on top right now, but there's no guarantee that John Hunter Nemechek's going to be on top in two to three weeks from now. You know, they might go through a, a spell where they're, they're running terrible. And somebody else steps up, you know, maybe the Thor sport trucks run better. Um, you know, maybe GMS steps it up and Sheldon Creed goes and wins a couple of races. And then everybody's like, oh, Sheldon Creed's got the championship. So, you know, yeah, they seem like they seem like they're the truck to beat right now. John Hunter Nemechek and and uh, and Kyle Busch Motorsports. But that doesn't mean that they're going to be the, the team to beat come Phoenix. Yes, right now they're a, a championship favorite. Yes, right now. It seems like they're the odds-on favorite to win. You know, probably Vegas is putting them out there as as the championship favorite. If you wanted to go bet on John Hunter Nemechek winning the championship, he's probably the favorite right now um, on on any of the sports bo- uh, betting apps and stuff and, and, and sports books. But that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to win the championship. There's a reason why we run these races and the season is as long as it is because – um, we've seen guys come out of left field and win races and win a championship. I mean, you know, we've we've seen those things happen. Um, look at last year. I mean, Chase Elliott, most of last year, didn't seem like he was going to be the guy to win the championship. If you would have asked me in the middle of last year who was the championship favorite and who was going to win the championship, you could have went with Denny Hamlin and you could have went with Kevin Harvick. And then all of a sudden, Chase Elliott, late in the playoffs, he goes to Martinsville and wins. 
And then all of a sudden, everyone's like, oh, Chase Elliott might win the championship. And then he goes and wins the race at Phoenix and is the champion. And then everybody goes back and, and looks at it and says, well, he wasn't the odds-on favorite, you know, in the middle of the season. That's because that's why we run the races. Who would have thought that Kevin Harvick would have been eliminated before he even got to Phoenix? I mean, there's things that happen in this sport that you that make you scratch your head. And yeah, I know without getting into the whole thing with the playoffs, I know part of it is the playoff format. And I know fans are you either love it or you hate it. But you can't crown the champion today without knowing all the other stuff that's going to happen that get us to Phoenix at the end of the season, how that storyline develops, what teams are doing what, who finds what in their trucks, who makes their 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 equipment better. We know, especially in the truck series, you know, everybody runs the same motors. Everybody's running that Elmore engine. So that's one less factor that goes into the equation of, what makes you the best team in the series? So, you know, you your your pit stops mean more. Um, you know, the way you're building your trucks, the aerodynamics of it, all those things matter more when everybody gets to run the same engine. So that's the stuff that is gonna dictate whether or not John Hunter Nemechek wins that championship or not. Those are the things. Um, but like I said, I mean, you have GMS, you have Thor Sport. You have some really good teams in this series that are going to give John Hunter Nemechek a run for their money. And I think that we're going to start to see some of those other players come out in the middle of the season. Because, listen, John Hunter Nemechek and that team over there at KBM have a lot of race wins. You know, they have four or five wins already this year in the bag. So that means they have a lot of bonus points. They're going to go to some of these races and gamble. You know, they might try fuel strategy at a place if – the circumstances allow they might try a, a a different tire strategy at a road course race later in the schedule, you know, to gain stage points to gain, um, you know, points just in the standings, you know, so they're going to be doing different things because they have the freedom to do that because of how many race wins they have. So, like I said, big win for John Hunter Nemechek gives them more bonus points, gives them, you know, he has his stage points now, you know, even higher than, than they already are. Um, so look for them to be a force to be reckoned with when we get to Phoenix. I think they're one of the final four teams for sure, but stranger things have happened. So just a little cautionary tale on that. We get to the Xfinity series. I mean, Kyle Busch stunk to show up, had the dominant car all afternoon, and goes out and collects his 99th win. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it because, listen— I know at the end of the day, again, just like I said, you're you're either a, a fan of Kyle Busch or you're not a fan of Kyle Busch. And there's a lot of people that that don't like the cup guys going down and run the and running trucks or Xfinity. I get it. I understand the argument. I understand the other argument, which kind of is more of the side that I'm on, that they've done this for decades at this point. They've allowed drivers to go down and run Xfinity and run trucks. Um I don't see I, – I think it's it, it's more it, – it's going to hurt more than it would help if you take them out entirely. And what I mean by that is look at the 18 of Ty Gibbs this year. I mean, I'm sorry, not the 18, the 54. He runs 18 at, in ARCA. Look at the 54 of Ty Gibbs this year. Ty Gibbs is running unsponsored this year for the majority of his races. Not all of his races, the majority. And the reason why they're doing that is because they haven't found the right partner for him. And this is the this is the argument I've made many times to people when they come at me and they say, well, you need to get the cup guys out of the Xfinity series and, and get Kyle Bush out of the truck series. They say, time out. Dale Jr.'s even alluded to this on the Dale Jr. download. If you take the cup guys out of both of those lower series, I guarantee you that cup teams will not participate in the in the series. Now, there's basically no cup teams in the truck series right now. The closest thing you have is Kyle Busch Motorsports, which is running some JGR development guys as pit crew guys. 
they have a little piece of the action because they they supply the engines to Kyle. Or well, they used to supply the engines to Kyle's team. They don't even do that anymore because everybody runs the Elmore engines. But there's a little bit of JGR in at KBM. And, and and like I said, it's more pit crew related than team related. You look at and and some of their the JGR driver development guys end up over at uh, at Kyle's place. But you look at the Xfinity series, and you know Kyle Busch goes and runs five races a year. That fifty four is like I said, basically blank when Ty Gibbs runs that car. They have very few partners on that car for Ty. Which is part of the reason why Ty Dillon's in the car this year for a couple races. They just announced that um, John Herner Nemechek is going to come up and run three races in the 54 um, later in the season. That's probably a sponsor grab as well. Um, It's hard to get a company to invest in a young driver that is an unproven commodity. And... I know that the old-time race fan is going to come at me and say, Bobby, you're absolutely wrong. And I'm going to say, no. Today, it's more about the drivers with the funding. And we've talked about pay drivers a lot on this show. It is much more about the guy that brings a paycheck to the door than the guy that's got a sponsor or, or earned a sponsor. Maybe the team got the sponsor. What Alex Bowman did getting into Hendrick and getting that ally deal is is basically a rarity these days. It is a rarity. You don't see these things happen anymore. Back in the day, the team used to get the driver for the sponsor. Today, the team is chasing the driver that has the sponsor and bringing them in. That's how it's working out today. And Again, JGR knows that Ty Gibbs has got talent. You can't take that away from that kid. And I give JGR credit in the sense that they're not just throwing Joe's Crab Shack on there or some random sponsor on that car that says, hey, listen, we're going to give you $50,000 to put our name on this race car for one race. JGR is not going to do that. They're going to say, no, you're paying us $250,000 a race to put your name on that race car. If you don't got the cash, don't come at us. That's what they're not, they don't want to devalue their asset, which is there's what the money that they're getting in for their drivers. So they're not doing what maybe a Jeremy Clements, what a Ryan Sieg would do, what a Brandon Brown would do, what some of these other teams that are clamoring for money would do, JGR is not doing with Ty Gibbs. But again, I use Ty Gibbs as an example of this is why if you take the cup guys out of the series entirely, you're going to lose teams. You know, it's part of the reason why Penske still has discount tire. I mean, before us and Cindric got there, they never had a full-time guy besides Brad Keselowski in that 22 car. They used to run Ryan Blaney in there. They used to run Keselowski in there. They would run Logano in there. You know, once Austin Sindrick gets a cup seat, I guarantee you they're not going to go out there and hire a driver to run that 22 car full time. The reason why they went with Sindrick was because Sindrick is, is, they're trying to groom him for cup. And, you know, they're dealing with this situation for a year or two. It's just, it just blows my mind why people think that getting rid of the cup guys is going to be a benefit to the series. It might benefit the fan that only wants to watch the young guys coming up, and I get that there are people out there that want to do that, but it is not going to benefit the sport. And it's also going to hurt people that don't that don't have enough money to go watch the cup race. For example... If you watch a cup race at Dover, I'll use Dover as the example, that seat, if you don't already own it from the year prior, that's an $85 seat. If you get it early enough, it might be $65 um, if you buy it before a certain date. But if you walk up to their door 
and say, hey, I want a ticket for a NASCAR Cup race on Sunday. They say $85. All right? Yeah, you can sit in the front stretch for 55 I know. Someone's going to tell me that. But but it's 85 bucks if you want to sit in the corners. I don't like the front stretch. It's a little bit it's – it's not my cup of tea when it comes to sitting in the grandstand. 85 bucks is a lot of money to some people. And I remember when I was growing up that $85 was a lot of money to my parents. I mean, my dad would, would not pay $85 to go watch a, tr- a cup race. We would actually go and watch a truck race on Friday for probably at the time $25, $30. I think now the ticket's like 32 or 33 for the truck race. But we would go watch the truck race because we got cup practice, cup qualifying, Xfinity practice, and Xfinity qualifying. You would have a whole day at the race for 30 bucks. We would spend, even if it was 30, we would spend $60 on tickets. That doesn't even buy us one cup, cup seat. And back when I was a kid, we didn't have the $10 junior tickets. That wasn't a thing. You paid $85 for the kid to sit in the seat too. So, you know, the, the fact of getting the cup guys out of it, there are people that can't afford to bring their kids to a cup race. Even at the places where they're giving the seats away, the cup, you're still paying for the adult seat, which is in some places $100 or more. I mean, I remember when I got tickets to go to Charlotte. The Charlotte front stretch seats are $130. There's people that $130, bucks, they do not have an extra $130 in their pocket. You know, and I know I'm talking about a very small percentage of people, but there's people that they would rather go watch the Bush race, I mean the Xfinity race, or go watch a truck race because they can their their money goes a little further. So I, I get why NASCAR wants the Cup guys to go run because if you get Kyle Busch to go run your at your track, you're gonna you're gonna attract some fans on Saturday, and, and NASCAR's never gonna want to admit that. But that's why they allowed it for so long, and that's why they continue to allow it. I guarantee you that race at Richmond for the Xfinity Series um, in the in uh, September is going to probably be one of the highest the highest attended races of the season. Because guess who's running that race? Dale Earnhardt Jr. It's going to be one of the highest attended races of the season uh, for the Xfinity Series. That is because Dale Jr. is running it. I guarantee you it's going to be one because. People are going to want to go watch Dale Jr. Because you don't know if it's the final time he jumps in a, an Xfinity car. You don't know if it's the last time he's going to race, period. You have no idea. Dale doesn't even know half the time if it's the last one he's ever going to do. Just a wild world out there. So then we get to, uh, to the All-Star race. And listen, I, I, I love the inventiveness of this race in the sense that you know, when Humpy Wheeler used to run Lowe's Motor Speedway, Charlotte Motor Speedway, he was one hell of a promoter. They would put on a big show. They would they would do all this stuff, and he had some crazy Zaniac ideas. They would try all kinds of random crap. And, you know, this race in particular had a lot of things going on. They were doing full field inverts. They were doing nine cars, 12 cars. A fan would pick a color. Um, what color they wanted, uh, and and they unveil the star, and that's how many cars they inverted. This was, on the outside, this was very gimmicky. But the All-Star Race has always been a gimmick. It's always been a gimmick. It's always been gimmicky, to use the cliche. It's always been a gimmick. I like the idea that we had full-field inverts in, in, in a couple of the, the, of the rounds. We had random inverts in some of the rounds. But it guaranteed you the guy that won the round wasn't going to win the next round because they had to climb through a bunch of cars. And it's hard to pass at Texas. We saw this several times in rounds where the guy that won the invert won the round. Nonetheless, won the race. They won the round. So it really made... A very interesting all-star race. It really kind of made it different. What I will say is, obviously, Hendrick's on a roll right now, and Larson's great. One thing I find funny, though, and and I've always found this funny, that whenever the guy that's winning a lot wins, 
people people make up the craziest stuff. I mean, I know Twitter and social media is like the cesspool of society sometimes, but my gosh, some of the stuff I read, I, I never actually had to ban people so much in a week because of drivers. I mean, I, I, yeah, we had the Bubba Wallace thing and, and, and all that, and there was a lot of people we had to ban then. I mean, I've never had people go so crazy about one driver. About, about, and it was all about guys winning. And they were just, just they were just going off the deep end. Never had to ban people because of that. That's insane. I will say this Kyle Larson's not going to win every race for the rest of the season. It's just not going to happen. There will be teams that will figure out what Hendricks figured out, and there'll be other teams that will run well. And I know the Ford fans are really pissed off right now because, you know, Kevin Harvick hasn't won a race this year. The Stuart Haas fans are livid right now. And, and I know there's downforce that's been, quote-unquote, taken away from the Fords because of the of the, the way they've reshaped the, des- the design of the the uh, inner fender wells and on the rear of the cars and stuff. And that's where some of the Ford, you know, downforce was and, and, and some of the stuff I've been seeing, but it's just funny how people make up the most random crap about why Larson's winning. Oh, he's cheating. He's this, he's that. I've said this before. I'll say this again. If your driver is not cheat, if your driver's team is not cheating and, and, or pushing the limits, I should really not call it cheating. If they're not pushing the limits and pushing the envelope and getting popped, then are they really competing? Because Dale Jr. brought up a great thing on the Dale Jr. download. He said, I, I tell all my crew chiefs at Junior Motorsports, I want them to push the envelope. I don't care if we get popped or not. He said it. I don't care if we get popped or not. He said, if we're not aggressive on the tolerances and we're not aggressive and pushing the envelope and not you know, getting popped, then we're not doing our jobs because if you know that Penske's pushing it, you know, all these teams are pushing it. It's just Hendrick right now has figured something out. Ford might figure out something in three, five, six weeks. And all of a sudden Fords are running great again. And then everybody's like, what happened to Hendrick? Ebbs and flows guys. That's what I talked about earlier. Ebbs and flows. So Larson wins the all-star race. Doesn't dominate it. I mean, he wasn't like winning every stage, but he ended up right where he was. I still think the guy who had the best car won the race at the end of the day. We all kind of knew Larson was going to win because of how dominant that team's been this year. But you knew that was going to happen. And he had to battle his teammates. It it wasn't a a slam dunk. Chase Elliott was in the mix. we We had a lot of good racing on the starts and the restarts of these rounds. So it was an exciting event. Um, I'm not crazy about Texas being the all-star race because I don't think the racing there is good enough for it to be the all-star race. I would much rather NASCAR go with, if you're going to go all in on the short tracks, I would much rather this be at Bristol per se. Um, I think that puts on a better show. I like this format though. I like this invert, full invert, random invert deal that they're doing. I prefer this over some of the other gimmicks I've seen. But I think NASCAR's on to some... I mean, at least I think Eddie Gossage was on to something with the, the way this was done. But I thought it was very nicely done. I thought the guy that had the best car won the race, which is which is not always what you get. Um, And I, th- I thought overall it was a decent all-star race. It wasn't, it wasn't as great as one hot night was with the Davey Allison, Kyle Petty re- uh, race, but it was up there. It was an up there race. It wasn't... Epic. It wasn't monumental. I'm not going to sit here and say it's even in the top five of all-star races I've seen. Um, but it was a good race. It was a good race, and and that's all that matters. That's all you can ask for. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a break. Uh, after you hear me talk a little bit about uh, our friends over at Circle B Diecast, we will come back and we're going to talk about the news of the last three days, really. So we'll talk about GMS going cup racing. We'll talk about colleague getting not one but two charters, Justin Haley driving the full-time uh, championship uh, effort, and then A.J. Allmendinger is going to lead up the second car, which is going to be A.J. and I'm sure some other drivers sharing that seat. And then we will talk about uh, Spire going down to one car um, for next year, and then we'll also talk about the potential ramifications 
down the road of silly season, like what this little news cycle will have, what impact it will have on later, later news that we'll find out about. So all that and much more right here on the Crew Cheese Corner Podcast. I'm Bobby Bailey. Check out thecrewchief.net for all the latest NASCAR news, driver points, owner points, uh, race results, race schedules, paint schemes, and all, of course, all the latest news and information. That's Once again, that's thecrewchief.net, your portal to the world of NASCAR silly season news and racing statistics. All right, what's up, everybody? This is Bio here at the Coochie's Corner Podcast, bringing you kind of like the, the latest and breaking news that we've had the last few days. Um, so first, before we get into that, just really quickly, I know we just talked about our great friends over at Circle B Diecast. Don't forget to check them out. Um, if you're a Kyle Larson fan, you can go order your um, your Kyle Larson uh, race win diecast. So they got that up uh, they have the standard uh 124 scale they'll have uh, the special finishes and then they have their exclusive galaxy color autographed model so go check that out circlebdiecast.com remember if you use my promo code crew chiefs corner you get free shipping on any order over 20 dollars as long as it's in the united states of america so go check out my friends at circlebdiecast.com to order your diecast, whether it's Kyle Larson, uh, like I said, his race one for the All-Star, or whether you go check out some of their latest uh, pre-orders, like that really cool uh, Kevin Harvick uh, Bush to the Moon car. I know that car was pretty popular. A lot of people wanted that uh, out there, so make sure you pre-order it. Don't don't wait, because a lot of these places, you're, you're not going to be able to find these cars. Um, and then I know yesterday, people went ballistic with the Gravedinger car, uh, came out and I think that's a really cool car, and it's a great way to segue into the news of the day. So the first thing was we kind of found out that um, they were going to run a special paint scheme for Kevin Harvick for Father's Day at Nashville. And Stuart Haas did some teasers. First was a really giant shock. And this was all put together by Keelan Harvick, by the way. Or at least that's what the story said. So Keelan uh, goes to the port shop, and Rodney Childers is there. And he gives Keelan this big shock. He gets an assistance from an employee, and they go wander off. The next day, big tire goes rolling by. And that's when the light bulbs all went off for a lot of people because they also had a guy walking by with a Gravedigger crew shirt on. So then it comes out that they're going to run a Gravedigger paint scheme at Nashville. And I know it's a wrap. I call it a paint scheme because it's that's what I call it, Okay. It used to be done in paint. Don't at me about that. <laughs> um, but anyhow, uh, getting back to it. So they're going to run the, the Gravedigger scheme. I think it's really cool. Um, unfortunately, Lionel was only able to offer supposedly 1,000 elites and 1,000 arcs and people, ARC models, and people lost their freaking minds over this. So don't complain <laughs> if you can't find a Gravedigger car. Right now, because apparently they're all sold out, according to Lionel, and that that it that is what it is, as they say. So, um, sort of a neat scheme. You'll see it on racetrack on Sunday. Uh, you'll see it practicing tomorrow. So uh, keep your eyes open for that. But the bigger news happened yesterday. GMS Racing, which has been in the Truck Series for the last uh, several years, they had an Xfinity car up until last season. Um, decided that they're going to go cup racing. And this one was a surprise. This was kind of like I said, you know, on the last episode, I said, you know, uh, I, I think there's going to be some surprise teams that we just don't know about yet. This is a surprise because GMS got out of, out of Xfinity because I think they weren't making that much money on it. And I think this is going to start a trend. I think Junior Motorsports is going cup racing. I might have just kind of kind of killed it for them, but I, I do think that they're going to go cup racing. And I think it's not necessarily because of the fact that Xfinity, you're not making as much money. That has something to do with it. But I think part of it, too, is this is the time to get involved in it because now there's going to be limits on how many cars you're going to be able to own. Each one of these cars 
whether it's Penske, whether it's Hendrick, whether it's Roush, whether it's Spire, each car number, car number, not not car, each car number is only going to be allowed to order, uh, have up to seven chassis. So on a four-car team, you're going to only have 28 cars in the shop. That's it. That's all you're allowed to have. You're not going to be allowed to hide cars. So this is going to be big. This is going to this is definitely on a level of the playing field. The cars are very much all going to be built by the same group of suppliers is going to build all the cars. This isn't going to be like, you know, Roush is going to be able to do their thing, Penske's going to do their thing, Hendrick's going to do their own thing. No, this is all the cars are all going to be built by the same group of suppliers. What will make it different obviously is the Ford body styling, the Ford motor, the General Motors engine. Those are going to be the things that are going to be different. And I'm sure the teams will figure out how they can tinker with these things. I mean, come on. They don't have these engineers for no reason. Okay? But um, I do think that this is the time to get in. If you're going to go cup racing, this is the time. Because the investment is – it's going to still be big. It's a big investment. But it's not like you're going to have to invest it and then re, you know, like keep constantly re reinvest. It's you break a car, you're going to go out and buy another one. But you're only buying one car. It's not like you're, you, you know, you can only have seven cars. So if you have a season like Eric Amarola is having, it can get quite expensive quite quickly, <laughs> even more so than it is already. But I think the thing is that the, the, the versatility of these cars is going to be big. You know, you're not going to, you're not going to have teams anymore. We're back in the day. They used to have seven, eight, 10 different styles of cars. You used to have two and three of each car. Um, you're not going to see stuff like that. You're not going to see guys. You're not going to walk in a shop and see 60 race cars there each year. You're going to see 28 if it's a four-car team. There's going to be 14 if it's a two-car team. There'll only be seven if it's a seven-car, I mean, a one-car team. So that's what it's going to be. And I think it's going to really level the playing field. So good on GMS. I, I'm assuming they're going to stay with Chevy. They've been with the Chevy family the last several years. I would assume that they're going to keep their association with ECR Motors, I'm assuming that they might get a little bit of help out of Childress as well. Uh, maybe Childress is going to build them. Uh, I mean, maybe Childress is going to help them out with some of the engineering. They can't build them the cars, but maybe they're going to help them out with the engineering. So we'll see how all that pans out. As far as a driver, I have no flipping clue who their driver is going to be. I couldn't tell you who would drive for GMS right now. I do think it's <laughs> I do think it does open the door for a veteran driver like, let's say, Ryan Newman to potentially extend his career. I think I think if I'm Newman and I know I'm out at Roush, because that's the hot rumor, and I'm looking for a seat, I am calling Mike Beam today to try to get that contract started, to try to get that ball rolling. Because what the heck? I mean... It might be a, a perfect opportunity to get in with a really good race team. Mike Beam's been around the block. He's been at Roush uh, before. He's been he's been a different team. So Mike Mike Beam might be somebody to keep in mind when when the drivers announce. You might want to go back and backtrack how they know Mike Beam. Just saying, just saying. We might have to go backtrack and and understand how they know how they know Mike Beam. Um, and then we got Colleague. I mean, Colleague we knew was going Cup racing. They kind of hinted that it might not just be one car. They're going to go with two cars. They got both charters from Spire Motorsports. So they have the 77 charter. And then also the charter that they leased out to Trackhouse this year is going to go uh, to uh, Colleague. So uh, Justin Haley is going to be their full-time driver in the 16 car. And then they have a second car that will be run by AJ Allmendinger and drivers to be named later. Um my big takeaway with this is obviously we knew this deal was coming. I thought Justin Haley was being groomed for this seat from day one. And he's clearly got it. So um, no major surprise. I think the surprise was that Almendinger is going to run the second car on a partial basis. He's going to stay in Xfinity full-time next year too. Um, listen, Matt Colleague is building a team that is going to win races. They're going to compete for championships, and he ain't taking no prisoners. I like how they're building this team. I think this this team is getting put together the right way. I believe Matt Colleague's 
building a team that will be something in five, six years that you might mention Hendrick, Gibbs, Kolick. I'm just saying they might be the third third powerhouse team. So we'll see. Um, I know right now it's Penske, but let's let's <laughs> let let me use this for argument's sake. I, I do think Justin Haley's the right driver for it. I think he's uh he's still maturing. I think he's young enough that this is this is not too big of an opportunity. He's got cup experience under his belt. Um I think what this will do is this is gonna impact future future deals. Um we know track I mean we know twenty three eleven wants to expand. The big rumor is that Kurt Busch is going to get that seat um, when they expand to a second car, which is going to make the one car a very interesting situation and how that impacts Ganassi. Um, I don't know. There was a rumor that Zane Smith is going to drive the one car next year. I, I think that's a huge-ass leap for a kid that struggled mightily in a college car at Dover. Um, I, I just – I don't know. I just don't know about that one per se. Um, but if his family's writing the check and it's a big enough check and it doesn't go bouncy bounce um might be the right guy for that seat but um yeah i think colleague is is gonna put you know put some stuff together i mean I, i'm sure kaz growl is going to be somebody that would work their way into maybe some more cup races and and stuff um but it doesn't sound like the xfinity program's going away at colleague which is great it sounds like they're going to continue with with uh aj and hopefully jeb burton's able to stay in that 10 car, a little consistency for Jeb would be great. You know, coming back to the same program for a second year in a row, instead of jumping from car to car, to car, to car. Um, so we'll see how that all pans out. But, you know, I think what this really does to the landscape is this, again, this is another thing that sort of kind of corrects itself and, and kind of puts some more stuff out there. Um, and when I mean corrects itself, I think, we knew colleague was going to, was going to get a charter. I didn't know they were going to get two, but what it also does is it takes out the, well, what's Spire going to do with their three charters? You know what they did with their charters. They sold two of them off. And I, and I think that this was brilliant on Spire's part because they leased the charter out to track house. So now track house, I know it's a little dirty deal, but track house is going to find a charter for next year. Simple as that. They're, they're going to go out and look for a charter I don't think Pitbull, I don't think Justin Marks put all this money into their into this race team to say, oh, yeah, this was a one-year experiment, and that's it. No, they're going to go find a charter. They'll buy a charter. They might even have a charter now that we don't even know about. Um, but they're going to have both the Spires, uh, two out of three uh, charters from Spire. I think this is a smart decision on Spire's part. You, you got Corey LaJoy. Continue to build with that. Um, I always thought when they went to the two cars this year, it was kind of like too big, but I knew they had to run both, um, <coughs> you know, due to the way the charter rules work. Um, they couldn't lease out the, uh, the other two charters um, because they were already previously previously leased. So they were going to have to use the one charter this year anyhow um, to run a second car. But I think it all panned out because I'm sure they they are going to get paid handsomely for the two charters and they got paid handsomely to rent the one out this year. So um, I think they made a little extra do re me and handed off to Spire uh, hats off to them for doing it. You know um, it's, it's the part of the business. A lot of people don't like talking about, but there there's guys out there that are in it for the money to make money. And you can't tell me Rick Ware doesn't make money running the stuff he runs. I mean, he runs cars that are four or five, six years old. All right. So, there's that. Um, and you know, he's not going to have all of his charters next year. You know that they're going to, they're going to sell a couple. Um, we'll see what happens, but, uh, some more dominoes fell. Like I said, with that, um, still, still pretty much convinced that Brad's going to go to Roush. Um, pretty much sure that that's set in stone at this point in time. Um, and we'll find out what Ryan Newman does. I, I think they're going to just stick with the two cars. I don't think they're going to add a third. Uh, but stranger things have happened. Um, we'll see how it all pans out, but kind of glad we're starting to see silly season start out, get a little bit, uh, in gear and, uh, we'll see kind of what happens around that bend. But, um, you know, we're, we're getting close to, uh, the truck race. 
So I want to get a last couple little minutes in here before before I go and turn their truck race on and watch that. But we have National Super Speedway this weekend. So really cool that we're back at a track that we haven't been to in 10 years for Xfinity and Trucks. First time Cup's ever been at the racetrack. Uh, first time Cup has run in the national market in over 37 years. So um, looking forward to it. I think Dover did a great job in realizing that NASCAR was looking to get back into that, into the national market. Obviously, with the fairgrounds, they're going to capitalize on this opportunity that they were given by NASCAR for the next four years to run a race at the Super Speedway for Cup. Um you know, they have that locked in for four years. I should say NASCAR can't take that date away from them. Um, it was a smart business play. Um, they were worried they were going to lose a date for Dover. So they protected that asset by putting it in Nashville. I think it really was a smart decision on their part. Uh, it gets them in a the market they desperately have wanted to be at. And I think it's a great bridge to whenever they get the fairgrounds up and running with uh, with SMI to, to bridge to that. And I think that, Dover at some point will have to realize that they can't have both races there. And I think Dover will either bring the date back to the monster mile or, or they leave it at the super speedway and just let the date die. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do otherwise, but um, I, I think NASCAR is kind of, kind of in a tough spot. Um, I don't know. Maybe it could support both race racetracks. I have no idea, but we'll see uh, after this weekend, you know, uh, next year, you'll see what happens, you know, do they keep everybody? Does fans not come back? I mean, you know, you'll see what happens. Um, as far as the facility goes, I know they've they've dumped about eight to nine million dollars into it. It looks like they freshly repaved the apron. It looks like they freshly repaved pit road. Everything I've seen, they've redone some of the entranceways and walkways to the track. I know they've done a ton of work on on like the the suites. They've done a ton of work on uh, concession stands and and stuff like that to get it all back up and running. You got to keep in mind this this facility has basically been dormant the last ten years. So, I think NASCAR, um, you know, again realized that when when giving Dover a four year commitment to run the Cup Series and Xfinity and trucks there, um, you know, lock that weekend in for the next four years. I think they uh, realistically knew the commitment that Dover had to to put up and and recognize that they were spending about eight to nine million dollars renovating this racetrack to get it back. Uh, up and running and and give them the opportunity to host a cup race for the next four years. So I think it's, it was a smart decision on Dover's part, smart decision on NASCAR's part. Um, but like I said, I think it's just a prelude to the fairgrounds coming back uh, in a, in a very, very big way. So we'll see how that, that works out. Um, I think the race itself is going to be exciting. Anytime there's a new track, there's going to be some, you know, uh, storylines with that. Uh, I don't, you know, I really don't think it's going to be bad, uh, or as bad as maybe some people might think it is. I think it's just, you know, tonight's truck race is going to be a great judge of how the weekend's going to go. Uh, is it going to be great? Is it going to be terrible? Is it going to be amazing? You know, Nashville's had some great races. If you look up the 2004 Pepsi 300, I guarantee you, you will enjoy the finish of that race. It was great. All four cars leading the race rack. Doesn't get much better than that. I'm kidding, of course. Um, it was just a really exciting race, but there's been some great races there. And I, I think at the end of the day, that's all you're looking for. You're looking for an exciting race, you're looking for hopefully a facility that's put itself back on the map. And, and hopefully they've done a lot to keep the fans that go to this race uh, this weekend and bring them back next year. And hopefully they're able to maybe add some more seats and bring some more people in. Um, I think they're going to have to look at that at the end of this year because they only have 25,000 permanent seats. Because remember, when Dover Motorsports built this track way back in 2001, they only had Xfinity and, and trucks. They never had a promise of a cup date. They tried to get a cup date for years. Um, NASCAR said, hey, if you want to move a, a race from Dover, you can do it. And Dover's like, well, we don't want to do that, you know, because when the casino and the, and the racetrack were one business, it didn't make sense to do it. But now they're separate businesses. So, Sort of the motorsports side of it, it's got to kind of, oh, what are we doing, you know? Um, and, and Nashville, I mean, Nashville shouldn't even be a track we're going to this weekend. And what I mean by that is Nashville was actually sold, not once, not twice, but three times it was sold off to different uh, investment groups. Uh, one was going was gonna to operate it as a, uh, as a multi-use entertainment center. That didn't work out. There was one time that it, it was going to get sold to uh, someone to, to do uh, 
car like car part i wasn't copart but it was a company like copart and it fell through and i forgot what the other one was i think the other one might have been to uh make it an industrial park and it kind of fell apart so this is a track that's had multiple chances to go away um but it's lived through all of it and now it's come back to live a, a second chapter as as a racetrack so a really cool story and and something that hopefully dover doesn't take for granted the second time around and uh hopefully the fans uh support it because that's listen at the end of the day that's the thing that matters is the fans going to the track that's what matters it doesn't matter how much tv revenue it is how much what you know sponsorship money it brings in it's all up to the fans if you want to see racing at national super speedway go to the races go to the races that's that's how they're gonna grade whether or not this is a market they want to go to so, and I think that this is a big telltale sign. And I've said this before, if they bring back North Wilkesboro, they bring back Rockingham, whatever tracks they're going to bring back, you know, this is like kind of like that preview of it. Like, let's see what happens if you give a cup date to a track that doesn't have one. What happens? You know, do the fans support it for two years and then it leaves? You know, so I think it's a, it's a good case study. And I think the fans of Eastern Tennessee got to take notice and go support this racetrack because this is going to, again, give you a sign into whether or not the fairgrounds is going to work out or not. So I know people don't think that way, but that's how you need to think with this one. So um, really excited and looking forward to the truck race tonight at uh, National Super Speedway and to see the Xfinity and, and the first ever cup race there. So I think it's going to be a great race. I think you need to tune into uh nbcsn this weekend to see the xfinity in the cup series don't forget the trucks are still on uh fs1 and uh we'll we'll uh see you guys next week here on the coochie's corner podcast thanks so much for checking in um we're getting a little bit better with the the stuff on the website um the website actually i'm sorry we're not better on the website the website we gotta get back in the groove of but uh you know social media stuff we we got all the practice results up today we got the qualifying results up as well so getting a little bit back in the swing of things and hopefully the website will kind of pick back up here in the next little bit as well. So thanks again for all the support. Uh, as always, make sure you follow us on all of our social that will roll right after I'm done talking here. And like I said, be sure to check out our friends at circle B diecast, circle B diecast.com. Use my promo code crew cheese corner, free shipping on all orders over 20 bucks. U.S. shipping, not international U S shipping. Thanks, guys. I hope you guys enjoy the races at National Super Speedway. We'll catch you next week right here on the Coochie's Corner Podcast. I'm Bobby Bale. Thanks for listening to the Coochie's Corner Podcast. I'm Bobby Bailey. Check us out on social media, Facebook at The Crew Chief, on Twitter at The Crew Chief, Instagram at Crew Chief's Corner, TikTok at Crew Chief's Corner, and on the Anchor app at anchor.fm. Thanks for listening.